Before we get started, here's a quick message from our sponsor, Content Square. How do you create digital experiences that keep visitors engaged all the way to conversion? By analyzing every click, tap, scroll, and swipe, and turning these insights into profitable actions. Content Square is a digital insights platform that helps businesses understand how and why users are interacting with their app, mobile, and websites. Trusted by leading fashion and luxury retailers worldwide, they have helped hundreds of teams accelerate their reactivity and boost ROI with smart, instant UX insights. Learn more at contentsquare.com. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and today's guest is Anthony Marino, the president of ThreadUp. In this episode, Anthony discussed what's unique about the online resale market, how the company manages its massive and ever-changing inventory, and why its partnerships with outside retailers are a win-win. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Hillary. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. So, ThreadUp, you've been in this role for, what, a year now? And you were ThreadUp CMO before that. Is that right? Yeah, I've been in the president role for a year. I've been at ThreadUp almost six years, mm-hmm. which in you know startup dog years is yeah. like a really long time. <laughs> exactly. So, and you you were the the CMO for the whole time up until last year. That's I was. Yeah. So when you started um, with ThreadUp, what was the message you were you were telling as a CMO? What was the company's positioning? And and just kind of paint the scene for. Uh, you know, other consignment sites and, and the competition for, for resale at the time. It's obviously blown up since. It was a very different world. I mean, and it was a very different world um, at ThreadUp, and it was a very different world outside of the company. So, you know, our mission hasn't changed. The mission of the business has always been uh, to inspire a new generation of shoppers to think secondhand first. So that's really been consistent through the six years. I think when I got there, ThreadUp was significantly smaller than it is today in terms of employees, item shipped. We had one distribution center, not four. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had hundreds of thousands of items listed, not millions. Mm -hmm. We had maybe thousands of customers, not millions. So uh, a significant difference over the years. Uh, I think there were a lot of competitors back then too. I think by some count, there were were 30 or 40 competitors and uh, most of them are are gone. And um, so that's sad, Um, but it's actually exciting for us Although sometimes I think it's great for companies to have to have rivals and close mm-hmm. competitors. It just forces you to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as we've evolved over the years, you know, when I first came to the company, we thought of ourselves primarily as um, bringing thrift online or bringing secondhand online. People were very familiar with going to consignment shops in their neighborhoods, and they were very familiar with um, secondhand clothing. What they weren't familiar with was was buying it online, and so we we thought of the business like that. But as it evolved, we found that what customers were really looking for um, were brands for less. Mm-hmm. So they were. Um, we found that our rivals weren't necessarily other consignment or thrift stores online, but they were places like TJ Maxx and Ross and stores like that that did a great job at bringing in phenomenal brands at uh, at great prices. And almost acting as a bit of a treasure hunt. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and so recreating that online, you know, how do you how do you really create a treasure hunt process like that online? 
Well, we we have about two million items on the site, mm-hmm. and I think what makes it a treasure hunt is the fact that we list hundreds of thousands of new items a week. Mm-hmm. So if you come back, if you come to the site at you know three o'clock in the afternoon and you don't find anything you like, come back at three thirty mm-hmm. because we will probably have listed another ten to twenty thousand fresh items. So if if there were a bunch of DVF dresses but none that you loved. Again, come back, right, refresh, and right. there'll probably be more. So I think that creates this. It's you know, it's not unlike your news feed in Instagram or on Facebook or on how you look at news sites. Mm-hmm. You want to know what's new, right. and our shoppers who are looking for fashion or looking for deals, um, the thing that keeps them coming back for more is seeing something new and exciting that might be perfect for them, and they don't want to miss it because mm-hmm. on sites like ThreadUp, there's only one of them. Right. And so you mentioned you know, how, how thick competition was for online resale for a while there. Uh, obviously, there's been a bit of a market shakeout. You know, you have the, the companies that kind of survived that boom and the ones that didn't, they either got sold or, or folded. What do you think gave ThreadUp the competitive edge in, in how it built that business and, and grew over time to really catch that customer? Because it's, it's interesting when you think of online resale, like you're working with a, a finite pool of inventory because it has to all exist in people's closets already to a certain point. So how do you how do you compete? So I I think we've been always very very focused on what specific job we're doing for our customer, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 it isn't when you, when you're a website that has 25,000 brands across lots of different price points, you're not doing one job, you're doing many. So for some customers, you are um, helping them refresh their closet because they just lost 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. For some customers, you're helping them find something special for an occasion. For some customers, you are um, helping them trade up from being an Old Navy shopper to a J. Crew shopper because while they can afford Old Navy new, they can't afford J. Crew new. Mm-hmm. And what we've tried to do is build features into the site and build the inventory and assortment to address all those very specific jobs. And I think um, in addition to that, we focused a lot on just constantly driving down what it costs us to process individual items. So to your point earlier, what makes ThreadUp a magical place to shop is that every week families across America send us bags full of clothing from their closets that they're no longer wearing. And so we make it really easy for them to do that. They Mm -hmm. don't have to photograph their items or type in the brand anywhere or take a guess at what price they should put on it or deal with a seller who has questions. They just put it in a thread up clean out bag that they order from our site um, or order from the app. Uh, They can even even print out a a label. We have the option for them to do that now, since everyone has Amazon boxes in the in their you know in the in the entrance to their house from that day's delivery. So just you can reuse that box and put a thread up label on it, and then we just make it super easy for people to put everything in the box and send it to us. So I think the combination of the simplicity for sellers to send us great things from their closet that they're not wearing, I think the. That our focus on you know the specific jobs our customers are trying to do, no matter what stage of life they're in, what age they are, what style they are, is a is a key part of it. And then just doing that at very low prices, mm-hmm. I think that's um, that's been a, a big part of what's made the proposition just get stronger and stronger with time. Right, and and whenever it came down to the decision of how people are going to actually submit their their clothing, I'm sure there would had to be a point where 
you know, people being able to send in whatever, how, like, how did you sort of build a system that, that did allow for that, like you said, without it being too prohibitively expensive and, and something that Threadup could actually manage? What is kind of like the secret sauce behind how all of that digestion of, of product and deciding on your end how much to sell things for, what's worth actually selling, uh, and, you know, what, what makes it onto the site? How did that come together? Yeah, that is the, um, that is the, the $64 million question. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a combination of, you know, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of people and a lot of software. So um, just to go start with the people first, the team at ThreadUp who's responsible for designing essentially the operating system that we use to to use or digest, I'll say ingest, but <laughs> similar similar <laughs> analogies to, to bring to, to ingest product into our system. That team was the same team on the industrial engineering and software engineering side that engineered all of Netflix's DVD facilities. Mm-hmm. So that was a group of people who had an incredibly uh, incredible set of specialized knowledge where they knew how to take lots of things and from a reverse logistics perspective, you know, bring them into a facility check them, make sure that when somebody was to take that DVD and played it on their you know, DVD player the next day, that it worked, mm-hmm. right? So they were able to take all these items coming in, reorganize them, check them for quality and send them out. And so we were very fortunate that that team came to ThreadUp mm-hmm. and helped us build that system. And now that system is across uh, four distribution centers across the US, um, two of which are, are fully automated um, facilities with carousels and conveyors. And they're very they're very exciting places to go visit. One of one of them, and I think the second one very soon, is the largest garment hanger on facility in the world. So you walk into the facility, and there's literally two million items mm. on hangers. So if you and when you walk through, you know I, I I go to those centers probably a couple times a quarter, and I'm always amazed at just how amazing the stuff looks. Right. I mean, you feel like you are walking into the fanciest closet you know you've ever seen mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're walking into a thrift store and i think that's another big part of i think what customers particularly next generation of customers are thinking a lot about is they're like how do i how do i s- scratch my itch for consumption but not feel guilty about it mm-hmm. and you know over the past 2 years threadups processed you know an upcycled upwards of 60 million items and next year we'll do about 30 million items mm-hmm. and i think Um, there is a, you know, I think while we all don't want to give up things, if we can do things in a way that we just feel a little bit better about, Mm -hmm. it helps. And I think when people buy from ThreadUp, they know that this was an item that came that's in, you know, like new shape because we won't list it on the site unless it is. And if you can make that purchase that way, whether you, whether you're doing it because it's cheap or not, you feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been a big surprise for me before I came to ThreadUp. I spent seven years working for Richard Branson at Virgin, and when I when I you know thought a lot about who our customer was before I came to ThreadUp, I just assumed that it was going to be customers who didn't have a choice, you know, who had to buy secondhand clothes because um, because they were cheaper. Right. But I am always amazed when I look at the demographics of our buyers, how many of them are, are millionaires, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of and the the analogy I think works for me sometimes is. You know, there are people who go on Airbnb and rent out other people's apartments to stay in, not because they can't afford a hotel, but because they actually prefer 
that experience. Right. And I think that, and there's lots of reasons why they prefer it. They prefer the relationship with the host, staying in someone's home, having a kitchen, being in a neighborhood. And I think it's there's a lot of similarities with thread up. People make the choice because, hey, you know, they could they could buy new because you can buy, there's lots of places to buy cheap clothes. You can mm-hmm. go to Walmart and buy an $8 dress. Right. But customers choose to come to thread up and maybe buy a, you know, a $12 J. Crew dress and feel really good about it because it's not adding to the problem around consumer waste mm-hmm. and um, what some people feel is conspicuous consumption. Right. So um, it, that's that's a real a, a real important thing for lots of our customers. Right. Especially when you when you get down to the the fast fashion, the very cheap fashion side. Uh, so as from a marketing perspective, how do you talk to customers? Because it's it's kind of a more complex, you know, mission than a than a traditional retailer would have. Because you want to have to uh, get people on board to send clothing in, and then you have to get the you know talk to the people who would be buying it, and then you have to sort of communicate this message around. Because at the end of the day, it is still a, a retail experience if people are buying are buying something. Uh, so how do you sort of balance all those messages at once and, and and tailor it and sort of have the whole the whole ecosystem lifted? As well, being as efficient as possible in terms of marketing spend. Ecosystem is a really good word because it's really it's what it is. I mean, we we run a um, a managed marketplace or an augmented marketplace, depending on how how technical you want to be with the language. And we and we tend to speak to to the different sides of the marketplace differently because they have different motivations. So, uh, and even within, um, for example, if you look at our suppliers, some just want to to clean out their closet. Actually, most of them just want to do that. They just look at their closet and they feel overwhelming guilt or they look at their closet and it's just a terrible mess. And it's like a mental tax for them. It's like coming home every night night in your apartment's a mess. You're just like, you don't want to be there. You don't feel good about it. And then when you kind of like take that Saturday morning and you take an hour and you're like, you have your, you go into a cleaning frenzy, which a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. and And then you like, you know, you look around a couple hours later and you just feel so much better. That's a very powerful motivator for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And giving them just a bag to put it in is great. Right. You know, so it's not a trash bag. <laughs> it's not a trash bag. It's actually we 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 jokingly, not so cleverly, call them bags of money because those those bags from customers come to us with clothing from their homes that they no longer want. You know, the happiest moment was getting rid of it, but we're able to then take those items and attribute them right so when they come when the items come out of a bag they don't they don't come with a barcode that we just scan that says it's a jake it's a dvf wrap dress and it's this cost and this color and this fabric content and this size we have to divine all of that ourselves Mm -hmm. but by doing that by adding that kind of metadata on top of each each individual item we take an item that was essentially worth almost nothing to someone Mm -hmm. and we make it worth thirty dollars to someone else and Mm -hmm. that's sort of the alchemy of of the supply side of threadups marketplace but back to your original question mm-hmm. about how we speak to customers. So yeah, like we we make it just super easy for suppliers and we communicate those messages around the satisfaction of cleaning out. I mean, you don't have to go further than your Netflix home screen to see Marie Kondo's program that right. just launched. And, you know, so this is very much in the consciousness. Like how do I live, how do I live better? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just mean saving money. It means also just kind of clearing out the, the weight that um, that our possessions can bring us, and I don't want to get too philosophical on you, but that's the core, you know, supplier message. Some suppliers care about um, 
about making money. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, on if if there are if if making money with the clothing in your closet and maximizing what you get paid for a dress you haven't worn in a year is your number one goal, then ThreadUp probably actually isn't the place to send your stuff. You can put it on eBay and um, and probably get more for that individual dress. Mm-hmm. What we find though is that customers will do that. And then after about six months, they'll be like, well, now I have like 10 more dresses or 10 more things. And I don't want to put them all on eBay. So I'm just going to shove them in the bag again and send them to you, thread up. Right. So so that 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 message of simplicity to suppliers and doing good and cleaning out their home and putting a little money in their pocket in the mm-hmm. process is it's almost too good to be true for many sellers. They can't believe that we'll send them a, a free postage paid like a hamper, essentially, mm-hmm. and then take it from them for free. And then send the money two weeks later. They're like, "Wow, you know, I don't. This is amazing." So, on the on the demand side, so people who are buying clothes, you know, we we found that um, there's lots of different stories we tell. Um, but I think let's we, it's kind of like a hierarchy of needs, right? On on the, on the basic level, we need to have great brands at great prices. So, shoppers for all of their altruism um, don't want to save the world unless they can save money in the process, mm-hmm. and so. Um, we work very hard to make sure that we have the right product priced properly. We focus on the right brands and the right price points and the right seasonal messages, just like to your point, lots of great retailers do Mm -hmm. on how they merchandise their product. And we find that um, the combination of the mix of inventory and the amazing savings and the daily freshness, so what we were talking about earlier, that you can get something new and see something new every hour of every day, is a very powerful proposition for mm-hmm. people. And then finally, the, the cherry on top is the fact that you're actually doing good in the process, that this is a purchase that you can feel good about and tell others about. And, um, and so I think we, we just focus on those two sets of messages for, for suppliers and right. for buyers. And there are, there's a fair amount of overlap between the two. So mm-hmm. there are, you know, our, our customers who we love the most who do both. And those people are, um, you know, fanatical. They will, they will visit the site to buy eight, nine, 10, 12 times a week. Mm-hmm. They will scour new arrivals. They will add items to their cart and they'll use a feature we have on the site called Buy and Bundle, mm-hmm. where if you just see one thing you like, but you don't want to pay for the shipping, you, you know you have to build up, I think it's $79, and then you get free shipping above that amount, they'll create a bundle. So they'll pick something on a Monday, they'll be like, I love that, and they, they sort of stash it for the mm-hmm. week. And then when they buy enough things over the course of a week, or whatever time period it is, and it clears the free shipping threshold, then we just send it to them. Mm. And they love it because some people like to shop a lot, but not necessarily buy a lot. Yeah. And so there's all these behaviors that we've observed about how how consumers interact with a marketplace that has a high velocity of individual items that are all unique. Mm-hmm. And so we've worked to you know build features into the site that help them do it the way they want to do it. Right. And and, and that's interesting. And so, but to speak to the amount, the volume of, of, of items that you said are on the site, you know, it's refreshing so quickly. How do you tailor it for especially high value customers like that, like the people who are shopping several times a week, or to someone who's new to the site? Like, how does uh, how do you find curation in in such a big in, um, inventory? So the customer can really choose. So what we will always try to inspire new new customers with seasonal merchandising. So you know you're gonna the same way when you go to 
I don't know where you shop, but if, but if you go to Vince.com mm-hmm. and you are looking <laughs> at what they're uh, what they're offering, you know, so we're always giving you um, great seasonal messages that we anticipate will be things that you're interested in. But the more you come back to the site, if you don't purchase the first time, the more we will then start to tailor what you see to to what you seem to be showing interest in, whether it's what you click on, if we send you an email that has a certain message and you open it. So we'll take those signals from lots of different things you do on ThreadUp, mm-hmm. and then we'll try to get you into a cut of inventory that's most suitable for you. It's it's tricky though, because sometimes people just wanna look around. You know, Just because you click on something doesn't mean anything. It just be, can be because, wait, is that blue or black? I don't right. know, I don't even know what that thing is. Right. So. You know, so it's so it's a real challenge to separate the signal from the noise. But we, you know, we've been at this a little while. So between your interactions with our app and on the site, how you look at email and maybe what ads you clicked on, you know, we try to put together all those signals. In addition to that, though, just in case we don't get it right, you know, the the search functionality on the site and the filtering functionality, we have to make shopping, you know, used product. Where to your point, like you're saying, there's a lot of it, right? There's a lot. There's millions of SKUs on the site. We have to make it just as easy as shopping new. Mm-hmm. And so we've designed a site where, um, and we and our customers tell us this when we when we survey them and talk to them, they'll say, you know, after a while, I kind of forget that this is secondhand because right. the pictures are amazing and the prices are great. And, um, and that's what we want. We want you to just, we want it to just blend into the natural part of your shopping behavior. We'll be right back. Want to know the ROI of that new product banner on your homepage? Looking to find out why a recently launched social campaign is not generating the expected revenue? And wouldn't it be great if you could show creative, branding, and even executive teams the impact of a new product video or seasonal campaign in just one click? You can. Content Square is a digital insights platform that helps businesses understand how and why users are interacting with their app, mobile, and websites. They compute billions of touch and mouse movements and provide brands with everything they need to create memorable, converting digital experiences. Find out more at contentsquare.com. Looking for a way to get more glossy into your life? Then be sure to check out our sister show, The Glossy Beauty Podcast, where each week, Glossy's beauty editor, Priya Rao, sits down with leaders in the beauty and wellness industries. This week, she is joined by the founder of natural beauty line, True Botanicals, Hillary Peterson. In the episode, Hillary talks about how a thyroid cancer diagnosis led to her starting her own company and how being a direct brand allows her to invest in the best ingredients. You can find new episodes of the Glossy Beauty Podcast every Thursday on Glossy.co or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe and leave any feedback you have. Now back to the episode. You know, let's talk about the brands that, you know, have product that is being sold on ThreadUp because uh, there's a it's called Upcycle is that right the program to to partner with these brands and say hey like you know we can we can work together to sort of promote this this type of behavior so where did you come to this you know realization that you could broaden out ThreadUp's platform to include the brands that people were selling through the site so sending back in and then sort of create a bigger system for for you know, not not spending on on new clothes, or you know, kind of just bringing different types of customers into the into the ThreadUp ecosystem. So it's really interesting how the the acceptance and the understanding of the resale market has evolved over time. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I came to ThreadUp six years ago, you know, retailers were kind of like, "Huh, like, right. why would we? Who's going to buy you stuff on the <laughs> internet?" You know, and. Um, and yes, there had been eBay had been around a long time, but I think apparel and fashion it was still you know way way underpenetrated in e-commerce relative to other categories. Right. And then the fact that ours was used on top of it 
they were like scram you know they <laughs> they they weren't that interested in talking to us and that was okay you know we were persistent um so but what's happened over the past i'd say year is that a lot of these brands are starting to hear from their customers and they're seeing it in all their research um whether it's with millennial customers or others that you know the majority of them actually care about the provenance of the item they buy, where did it come from, and they may not need to know what factory in China made it, but they want they want to kind of know that you're trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's also just the economics of it. I mean, I think if you're any brand and you go to ThreadUp and you type your name into the search bar, you'll see thousands of your items come up. And so I think a, a lot of brands started to just see this was happening, and they were like, well, this is kind of happening with us or without us. Right. And there's even, and look, and ThreadUp didn't invent this. I mean, as I mentioned, eBay's um, been doing it. Um, you can go to Facebook and there's, you know, Facebook groups that mm-hmm. are obsessed with certain types of Jimbery dresses. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's thousands of other groups that have specific obsessions. So right. I think a lot of the brands are seeing that this is happening. Consumers love it. They love the value. They love the fun of the treasure hunt. And so a number of them have come to us and they said, hey, how can we how can we work with you on this? Mm-hmm. And probably the most recent example is our partnership with Reformation, mm-hmm. where uh, they're a brand we love and has a very similar ethos to us. But um, you know, the way it works is Reformation customers can essentially send items from their closets, whether they're Reformation items or not, to ThreadUp, and then um, ThreadUp will issue them credit to shop on Reformation. And I think Reformation even adds a little bit of a boost, like a 10 or 15% boost. So if you were going to get $100 for for your clothes on ThreadUp, Reformation adds another 15 on top. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome for ThreadUp because we, we get really high quality supply from Reformation customers. It's awesome for Reformation because we essentially are taking dollars and putting them in their custom their po- customers pockets to shop exclusively on reformation right so they're really happy all of us are happy because we feel like we're keeping clothing moving and useful and uh, giving it a second life mm-hmm. and um, so I think um, our upcycle program is just a way to do that with more and more brands I mean I think the the vision we have as we think out you know, five or 10 years is that there should be hundreds of brands that are making it super easy for their customers to take what's in their closet that isn't being used or isn't productive or they've fallen out of love with or their mother-in-law gave it to them and they're not going to wear it no matter how nice it is because their mother-in-law gave it to them. There's lots of, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of, of emotion attached to clothing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it isn't positive emotion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, put those things to good use. And I think every brand can tell this story to their customers and then create an opportunity it's like a loyalty program. Create an opportunity for those customers to to sell those items to thread up, and then instead of taking the the cash from us, they get credit to their favorite store to shop. Right. And we just think that's great for the environment. We think it's great for consumers, and we think it's a much healthier way to live. Right. What is that shift in in mindset on the on the brand side? You know, kind of going from like what this is never going to work to to wanting to partner with it with a company like ThreadUp. What does that tell you about where? you know, sustainability is going in, in fashion. I guess I think, you know, so many times when you talk about it, it just feels like it's a one drop in a, in a bucket. It's a gigantic problem and it's hard for any one company or one player to make any dent in, in what we're looking at it as overconsumption and, and, you know, not uh, responsibly dealing with clothing once we're done with it. How do you take that as a signal that 
you know, where where sustainability in fashion is going overall. I mean, change always starts really, really, really small. Mm-hmm. And, I, and look, and I don't want to um, make it sound like we're, we're bleeding heart, you know, activists because mm-hmm. we have to run a profitable business too. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to create the ultimate business, which is one that makes money and does good at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we... And if, you know, for everyone who's listening to the podcast who's ever been in a startup, things start really small. And so I think we are happy with um, the path things are on because I think retailers are are starting to get it. And I think it's not just necessarily even the feedback they get from customers about uh, kind of doing the right thing and sustainability and mission-based businesses. But I think just in general, the effect Amazon's had on just shaking up the old excuses for why things couldn't change inside mm-hmm. of brands and retailers just created an opening for us. It may have nothing to do with sustainability in and of itself, but it created a growth mindset, right? You know, amongst many uh, retailers and brands mm-hmm. where they're where they're more open now to ideas than they will have been in past because in the past because frankly their businesses are under attack, right. their margins are under attack, and when you're under attack, you get very flexible. You know, you're you're willing to listen to new ideas, mm-hmm. and so I think those are all things that are helping us, and um, and so we're like super optimistic that in the coming years there'll be there'll be hundreds of these partnerships, mm-hmm. and then you'll see it start to make a dent. I mean, if you right. take any any number and you increase it, you know, just one percent a day or one percent a week. Mm-hmm. You know, before you know it, it's a it's a pretty big number. Right. Yeah. And and to that point, how do you sort of balance, you know, the need to run a profitable business with the the overall economics of of an industry like this? It's it seems like it could be kind of touch and go. Like, how do you make sure when you're not in control of your own inventory production, uh, you're you're basically relying on an outside source for for the clothing that you are selling? Uh, how do you, you know, look at cost efficiencies for for a company like ThreadUp and and make decisions based on that while staying true to to everything that ThreadUp has positioned itself in the market to be. Yeah, you you'd be surprised how much control we have. So we you know we can control how much stuff we get, mm. you know, just by d- deciding, you know, how many clean-out bags to send to people or how many labels labels to allow people um sellers to uh to print. So we have a fair amount of control over inbound supply. Mm-hmm. We may not have, you know, atomic control over the contents of the bag, but we've actually gotten a lot better at that too mm-hmm. because people um they repeat themselves, you know, if um it's sort of like that thing where you're in in the store uh with a friend and you're like, "Oh, what do you think of this this top?" and she's like, "Well, that looks like every other top you have." You know, it's sort of just the same thing, mm-hmm. slightly different. So, I think we've built like a, a pretty vast data set about what our uh, our suppliers are sending us, mm-hmm. and then we have a pretty good idea for what we um, will get from them in the future. So, I think that's one thing. Another thing is we we're really we try to be super transparent with our customers about what we need and what we don't need, and we may say to them, "You know what? You can send us." You know, if it's the middle of August, and they want to send us a, you know, a parka, we may say to them, "You can send us the parka, mm-hmm. and we can put it on the site now." But you're probably not going to get as much for it as you'd like. Mm-hmm. If you want to send it to us later, or you want to send it to us, and we'll we'll kind of like put it aside, and you'll and you're willing to wait, but you'll get paid more. You can do that too. So we're trying to 
you know, match the realities of the seasons and of what we pay out people and just communicate really clearly to customers about why we're doing that. And most people get it. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, I understand why you don't want, you know, full length down right. <laughs> in the summertime. And they're like, okay, great. That's mm-hmm. fine. I want to get it out of my house. I'm going to send it to you. You can even, you can do whatever you want with it. So right. I think the, 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 where the innovation really comes on the threat upside is how do we take our operating platform and make it flexible enough to to sort that inventory and and store it if need be in the right way and then price it accordingly mm-hmm. and then manage the trade-offs of, well, we could put that item on the site today for a little less and move it right away and generate cash, or we can sort of put it aside and then it takes up space. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, that those are the those are the hard math problems that we are in the business of solving. Mm-hmm. And I think the the better we get at that, the better the customer experience gets. And uh, I mean, there were so many times, I think there's an article in, um, I can't remember what what magazine it is, or but it's about our founder and how, uh, his name is James Reinhardt and he's our CEO today. And it was about how many no's he got when he you know pitched ThreadUp for mm-hmm. the first time back in 2008, 2009 to investors. And there were a lot of no's, but there was one yes. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, and we've we've come a long way since then by solving these kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. And great. Before before we're almost out of time, uh, if you were to you know looking ahead at the at the rest of the year and where where you see ThreadUp evolving as a business, if you were to drill it down, uh, you know what guides ThreadUp's growth and strategic decisions down to a, like a customer behavior? What do you, what would you say is the most driving influence um, on the on the customer end that that companies like ThreadUp in a in a very consumer focused area like like retail need to be responding to and listening to and watching for? I think customers want to have fun Mm -hmm. and they want uh, to be entertained. And um, just because you are, you know, shopping for something does not mean that the process isn't important. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, of course, value quality that's all given right that's all if you don't do that stuff you're you're out of business but i think for us to create an experience that's um that's sort of thrilling and fun mm-hmm. and um is is returns huge dividends and for us that means adding more items to threadup.com into mm-hmm. the app it means threadup product appearing in other places so we're right now doing a number of tests with retailers where there is threat up product in department stores. So in the real world, mm-hmm. we have four stores of our own. So um, getting access to the product, fresh product, having it change all the time, I think that is pretty a pretty powerful proposition to be a brand that delivers sort of fun, fashion, and purpose at the mm-hmm. same time. Right. And yeah, of course, the quality you get the quality and the and the price side for free. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. I really enjoyed it. It's great to be here, Hillary. Thanks a lot. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. If you've been enjoying the Glossy podcast and aren't a Glossy Plus subscriber yet, it's time to consider joining to get access to all of Glossy's content, member events, ticket discounts, Slack chats, and more. As a reward for listening, use the code Hillary25 at glossy.co slash plus to get 25% off an annual subscription. That's H-I-L-A-R-Y 25 at glossy.co slash plus. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.